Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well at the time of recording it's actually my birthday. Yay happy birthday to me and I'm on a a short break with my family in New York before heading to Utah for a week of skiing and as a result today's episode is going to be a short one but a very important one all the same. Now, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger might be value investors, but they, and indeed I, are probably also values investors too. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today, values-based investing. So let's go right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. So... I'm in New York and uh, on Sunday managed to go to a, a sports bar and watch the Super Bowl, which is quite an experience uh, in the US because obviously it's a very big deal over in the States. Uh, obviously, there wasn't a New York team uh, playing, but uh, nonetheless, it was a great atmosphere and it was, uh, yeah, it was a good event. Of course, uh, New, New England uh, Patriots came out as victors in uh, what was apparently the lowest scoring Super Bowl game in, in history, I think, actually. But there we go. We enjoyed it. It was a very tense affair and uh, it was a lot of fun at the same time to to partake in that. But the, the thing is, um, sort of coming out of that, and there's a kind of a link here to that, is that values-based marketing is, is quite a thing at the moment. It's quite prevalent, um, but it's also quite polarizing. Um, a lot of political and social and other sort of good cause issues are being taken up by some of the world's biggest brands. And of course, Nike is one of them with uh, Colin, uh, I think it's Kaepernick, I think, I, think, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Colin Kaepernick, who, um, you know, was part of a, a football team in, in the States and uh, made a stand or actually kneeled uh, in protest against uh, racism. Um, and that caused quite a lot of controversy. But he became the poster child of, uh, of a campaign by Nike. So it was being, you know, his cause is effectively being taken on by Nike and is being made um, to stand out in that respect. And that's polarized a lot of the, uh, the public over in the US. And similarly, Gillette, another major world brand, has, um, you know, they, they had their, their saying of the, the best a man can get, of course, for many, many decades now. But uh, they just come out with a new ad campaign, which was the best men can be. And uh, that's caused quite a lot of uh, debate. Let's just say that if you look up the YouTube uh, video, you'll see a lot of comments and there's been something of a bit of a backlash there, but um, they're taking a stand is the point and they're trying to uh, make a stand against bad behavior, I suppose you'd call it, um, by by men and, and encouraging men to stand up to that and obviously be the best men can be. So there's just a couple of examples, but as I mentioned, this values-based marketing is a bit of a big deal. And uh, as you can see, many brands are starting to jump on the bandwagon of, uh, of leveraging or capitalizing on, on these strong values and social issues, if you like. 
However, as I read around the topic a little bit earlier this week, what struck me as, uh, as being a missing link was the idea of congruency, which is quite a big word, isn't it, really? But I prefer to use the word alignment, alignment of, of, of our values. You see, our values should reflect who we are, what we believe, how we think, and crucially, how we behave as well. And if we turn back to the Nike tie-up with uh, Colin Kaepernick, um, how will Nike ensure that their stance in thrusting what appears to be a marginalised sportsman that made a stand against racism and placing him at the forefront or the face of their new marketing campaign, how will that marry up with the accusations of child labour and exploitation in far-flung places uh, where their factories are located? I mean, honestly, I don't know, uh, in truth, if Nike have a problem with child labour. That's not the point or indeed my concern here. So I'm not accusing anybody of anything, just to be clear. But my point is that a values-led approach to marketing has to be clearly aligned to who we really are, what we believe in, and crucially, how we act, even when nobody else is watching. And that's the acid test of our values, really. How do we behave when nobody else is watching? Or at least when we think nobody else is watching. For example, another recent sporting event was the Australian Open tennis, uh, of course, uh, down in, uh, it was Melbourne, wasn't it, in Australia. And uh, I recall someone sharing a, a CCTV clip inside the stadium where a security guard made one of the world's most famous tennis players wait before he was allowed into a secured area. This tennis player happened to be Roger Federer, and he was asked to wait, um, and he was, you know, quite possibly the most recognisable male tennis player of our generation, but he didn't have the right badge or credentials on him. And how did he react when asked to produce his security bags, badge and being told to stop when he didn't have it on him? He couldn't go forward into this uh, secure area. Presumably it was a practice court or something like that, I guess, or perhaps a locker room, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but he simply waited patiently for a member of his team to turn up and show the required credentials, which would then allow him access to the area. You see, there was no fuss. There was no, do you know who I am? Just a calm and patient wait until he could uh, find someone who could display what he needed to the security guard, who was, after all, merely doing his job. You see, there are lots of marketeers out there right now looking at values-based marketing as a means to differentiate and build loyalty with their customer base. However, I strongly believe that you cannot create a values-based marketing campaign. You can only speak the truth of what your values or our values are deep inside of us. So in other words, just be careful if someone's encouraging you to adopt that kind of approach. Is it really you that's coming out here in that campaign? I guess it's a little bit of a byproduct there. Well, this is how it potentially could relate to us as property investors. You might have been wondering. <laughs> well, let's 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 look at a couple of examples as as landlords um, yeah, and our values towards our tenants. How would how do we see them? Are they just a commodity, purely to pay off the debt on our investment properties? Or do we see them as fellow human beings that have a life, interests, a need for a decent place to call home, and also occasionally suffer from challenges from time to time, just like the rest of us? 
You know, I've recently had a few tenant arrears problems in all honesty, possibly due to the time of year and all that. But for those that communicate with me and take responsibility for their actions, notice I'm looking for those values in, in, in them, which hopefully I also share. I'm also happy to work with them to help them work through a short term bump in the road. And as investors more generally, do we see, for example, motivated sellers as an opportunity to squeeze even harder with sharp practices such as a last minute price drop just before completion to gain even more uh, a discount, perhaps from a vulnerable seller? Or do we recognize that our accepted discounted cash offer in return for a fast sale is a genuine opportunity for someone to rid themselves of, of a highly pressurized situation and make a fresh start in their life and know that it's sufficient for us at the same time without holding our feet on their neck to squeeze that last drop out of them. These two situations are actually quite different and require a fair and balanced approach to the situation that does not lead to us overstepping the mark of course. And then as property service providers, I know that a lot of us um, are not just investors or landlords, we're providing services into the property community. Do we just want to sell our wares with flaky ethics, including masking the truth, downright deception, or deliberately breaking the promises that we make to our clients? Or are we fair and balanced in highlighting the drawbacks of an investment? Hold our hands up if we drop the ball occasionally and simply commit to put right what we promised we would do in the first place, even if things have changed along the way. You see, a values-based investor is someone that does not just create a marketing campaign with some clever words and imagery or getting behind a worthy cause. A values-based investor lives and breathes what they stand for in both word and deed. They may not be perfect and can make mistakes, but they are genuine, authentic, and crucially congruent, that word again, or aligned, in their values as much as possible. Now I'm in the USA at the moment, as I mentioned, and right now there seems to be a massive trial by media type of movement going on over here, at least from what I'm observing. And this may or may not be fair, but regardless of that, people do make mistakes and probably do deserve a second chance. I mean, wouldn't you want that if you had slipped up? Yes, there are always consequences to our actions, but we're often judged just as we judge. So why not be an equitable judge? Maybe we'll get that back in return. And I'll just kind of close, I suppose, with a small example of where my own values went a little off kilter in the last week, just to be very transparent with you. And this really bothered me, and it's, uh, it was a clear sign, I guess, of my values alert system kicking in as this story unfolded. Now, someone sent a connection request to me on LinkedIn, and as it happens, they also sent a follow-up message soon afterwards after I'd accepted, of course. Uh, their initial approach didn't have a covering message, and I saw they were somehow connected to property, so I accepted the connection, which, you know, is normal. That's what I try and do. Uh, but the follow-up message did kind of bother me a little bit and of course it had their, their pitch for business, their sales pitch in it, so nothing really wrong with that. But the thing is, this person had invited to connect with me, uh, as I mentioned, with no covering note to explain you know, what they're looking for or why the connection might be good for both of us. 
And then their message invited me to be interviewed to see if I qualified as one of the best people in the industry for them to deal with. <laughs> they connected with me. They're selling to me, remember. So, you know, I guess my ego was a bit dented at this point and uh, I reacted quite poorly in all honesty and, uh, and with some heavy sarcasm in response. And I could justify that to you if I, if I really wanted to. Um, but it seemed to cause a little bit of confusion with the sender. Didn't, he said, I never had that sort of reaction before. However, in truth, I caught myself acting against some of my own core values, especially those of fairness and respect. I was very honest with him and other of my core values, but I was not especially fair or respectful in my rather curt response, curt and sarcastic response, actually. But after recognizing this conflict with my own values, I decided to write to the sender again, this time with an apology for my tone and approach with them, and I wish them well for the future. You see, they were not ultimately, uh, sorry, they were ultimately just trying to further their own business, of course. So there's nothing wrong with that, as I mentioned. But I didn't really care for the approach and style too much. I think it's probably a bit of training that's gone into them now, you know, make things sound exclusive and hard to get and all that sort of good stuff. But there was no real excuse for my less than respectful response in, in return. But I did the right thing and I corrected my part in it very quickly once I'd realized my mistake. So, you know, I'm not saying that I will do business with this person. It's clearly our values do seem to be at odds with one another in the first place, if that's what, the, you know, that's the conflict, I suppose, that, that was created there. But that did not justify me deviating from my own values in the way that I responded to them. So I reconnected and I realigned with my own values and at least I can have peace with that. And I guess what I'm saying is, perhaps there's something we could all learn from this sort of encounter and the need to be truly congruent or aligned um, you know, uh, with, our, with our core values as genuine values investors. Food for thought then, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so that's me done from the Big Apple this week. I'm off to enjoy a birthday brunch now. But don't forget, the show notes are available on our website, thepropertyvoice.net, including how you can reach me by telephone. Or if you want to talk about anything from today's show, or just talk about property investing more generally, you know you can always email me personally at podcast uh, at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. So I guess all that's left to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.